Good morning, Ebenezer. Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, and can be found on page 857 in your pew Bible. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become the young, like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you, just as my Father has conferred on me, a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will also sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning we are concluding a sermon series. It's called From Good to Great in God's Eyes. So, every spring, I go away and um, oftentimes I'll ask you all to be praying for me when I go. I go away to plan our sermon series for the year. And I plan from June to June because those are the time frames in which pastors are appointed to the Methodist Church. And this year, 2019-2020 sermon plan, the sermon series I was most excited about preaching was this one. And then... God said, I need you to go to Africa for a couple of weeks. And last week I was out of pocket for another obligation to the conference. And so I ended up only getting to preach two of the five sermons in this thing that I was looking so much forward to. But if I only got to preach one of them, the truth is I would, I would want it to be today. Today, today is part of the reason we did this series, to get to this day. Today, we're talking about building habits. And particularly, we're talking about building one particular habit. We are talking about building the habit of investing in great people. More specifically, we're talking about building the habit of investing in and being invested in by great people. So in order to end this series on a bang, I want to invite you to do something with me. On the back of your bulletin, there is a chance for you to take sermon notes. I want to invite you to grab that, turn that bulletin over, and I want you to write down three words in a column. And those words are Barnabas, Paul, and Timothy. Barnabas, Paul, in Timothy. If we are going to build the habit of investing in and being invested in by great people, all of us in the course of our lives, all of us need a Barnabas, a Paul, and a Timothy. What does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to spend our time talking about today. Who is Barnabas? Barnabas was, the Bible tells us, Barnabas was the companion of the Apostle Paul for most, for much of his his ministry, but uh, Barnabas wasn't just a companion. He he really was was a, a counselor and, and a deep friend. Um, in fact, you remember before Paul was Paul, he had a different name. What was his other name? Saul. And his job before he was Paul, his job was to go around and persecute the church. So after Saul was knocked off his donkey by Jesus and he became a Christian. He, Paul now, was Saul, now he's Paul. Paul goes to the church in Jerusalem and says, Hey guys, I want to be part of your fellowship now. 
Imagine how that was received by the church in the first century. This is a guy who had been present at the martyring of other Christians. Paul was not readily received by the church in Jerusalem until Barnabas stood up for him. One of the things that the Barnabas in our lives does is the Barnabas in our lives stands up for us. Actually, though, Barnabas wasn't actually his real name. His real name was Joseph. Barnabas was his nickname. The word Barnabas actually means son of encouragement. That's what Barnabas did. Barnabas was an encourager in the course of Paul's life. He stood up for him. He journeyed with him. He encouraged him. Who is your Barnabas. Who's the person who walks alongside of you, who encourages you, who lifts you up? Mine, or at least one of mine, is another pastor by the name of Bryson Smith. Bryson's a pastor down at uh, a church in Richmond. And um, I've told you before that that uh, I've lost, I lost a nephew after his freshman year in college, very tragically. My buddy Bryson was with me when I got the call that my nephew Matt had died. He walked with me through that deep, deep, dark valley. Um, once I got an award for something and there's big in this big auditorium and a number of people were there. My amazing wife was there, but the voice I remember hearing as I walked across the stage to get that silly award was, was my friend Bryson's voice. He was there with me in great moments. He was there with me in tough moments, but of all the stuff that my buddy Bryson has done with me, the most important thing that he does, and I think we do for each other is he makes me laugh. Like, for example, um, one one December, he called me up. He said, hey, man, are, are you at your office? And I said, yeah. He said, okay, I need to bring a Christmas present by. I thought, oh, that's sweet. So he brings his present by. And it is this beautifully wrapped present, which almost certainly means his wife wrapped it for him. But it's a beautifully wrapped present. And you know, I, I was really touched by this. So I, unla- I unwrapped the present, and I took the lid off the box. And, and there in the middle of the tissue paper was a picture of him. He gave me a picture of himself for Christmas, which makes me laugh so much. This is a picture. And I just want to note two things about this picture. First, my friend Bryson is walking around carrying a, like a, a WWF championship belt. Bryson has never wrestled a day in his life. He stole that belt from somebody. I don't know who, who. But the other thing is, it's not just that he's walking around this place with a belt. The place he's walking around is the Embassy Suites in Hampton, Virginia, which was the, the Bishop's Hotel that year for annual conference. And so my buddy Bryson is walking around with a bishop, the district superintendent's rolling around with his heavyweight championship wrestling belt. Now, you may not find that to be funny. I find it to be hilarious. And that's why he's my Barnabas, right? Who's your Barnabas? Who's the person who stands up for you? Who's the person who walks with you through the valley? Who's the person that celebrates with you on the mountain? Who is your Barnabas? Who's the one that makes you laugh and maybe only makes you laugh? Who is your Barnabas? We all need one. But that's not all we need. Second thing that we need in our lives if we're going to build the habit of truly, truly investing in and being invested in by great people. The second kind of person we need in our life is a Paul. Paul was one of the greatest apostles. Paul invested in so many, so many Christians. Paul is as a, part, a huge part of the reason that the church of Jesus Christ is as prolific around the world as it is today and has been throughout history. Paul was a remarkable, remarkable leader and a remarkable mentor 
And we need mentors in our lives. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, the, the most important thing a mentor can do is a mentor can be the person that we follow towards Jesus. The most important thing a mentor can do is they can be the person we follow towards Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The best mentors help us move towards Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, there's this wonderful story. It's about Philip, um, an important figure in the early church. And, And Philip comes across an Ethiopian sitting by the side of the road. He's reading the book of Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit flutters inside of Philip and he says, I want you to go talk to that man. So Philip walks over, he speaks to the Ethiopian man. He says to him, uh, sir, do you understand what it is that you're reading there in the book of Isaiah? And the Ethiopian man says back to him, how can I understand it if no one has explained it to me? One of the important roles of a mentor in our lives is that they help us understand. They help us understand the scriptures. They help us understand our lives. They help us understand what ideas are good ideas. They help us understand what ideas are bad ideas. For example, early on in my ministry, first couple years I was a senior pastor of the church I was at had started to grow. And to the point that we needed to expand our parking lot. So I was trying to figure out, how do we raise money for a parking lot? So I came up with this idea. I was fresh out of seminary. I had not, I had other than gray hair at the time. It was, it was, some of my hair was still there. It was amazing. Early on in my ministry. So I came up with this idea. That what we do is during worship, I'd send out a team into the parking lot and take pictures of people's cars. And then do a Kelly Blue Book value assessment on the cars. And encourage people to tithe on the worth of their car. It was a really stupid idea, right? And so I went to my friend Reggie Tuck. He was a mentor of mine. He was Reverend Dr. Reggie Tuck at Blacksburg United Methodist. I said, I said, Reggie, I've got this idea for raising money. He said, don't do that. He said, people will stop coming back to your church. Mentors help us understand what ideas we have that are good. Mentors help us understand what ideas we have that are horrible. Mentors help us understand. I love something else that mentors can do for us. You know, one of the people for whom Paul was a mentor was a guy by the name of Titus. And we can benefit from understanding some of Paul's relationship with Titus because the book of Titus is still in the Bible. And so if, if you look with me at Titus chapter 1, uh, here we, we see this passage where Paul is writing to Titus, and here's what he says. He says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul is saying to Titus, hey man, I left you there on the island nation of Crete with a purpose. You need to go to every town, every village. You need to appoint elders in the church there couple of things to note about the island nation of Crete. It's 3,200 square miles. It's relatively mountainous. And at the time that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, or to Titus rather, at the time Paul wrote the letter to Titus, the Romans had not yet built roads on the nation of Crete. In other words, it was really, really hard to get from one village to another village. What Paul was asking Titus to do was hard But that's one of the great benefits of having a Paul, a mentor in our lives. Our mentors, when they are good mentors, believe in us. They believe that we're able to do things that we may not even believe we're able to do. 
It's remarkable. One final thing about Paul's before we move on. One of the things that great mentors do is great mentors help prepare us to become a mentor for someone else. In fact, that's what we saw happening in our scripture passage this morning. It's a curious, curious passage. It begins with the disciples squabbling with each other about who is the greatest, and it ends with them being commissioned and sent forth. What happens in this passage is a graduation. This is graduation day for the disciples. Jesus holds a commencement. And what he confers on the disciples isn't a degree. What he confers on the disciples is a place at the table and a mandate to open the table to other people. The disciples begin this passage being mentored, but in the midst of it, Jesus sends them out to be mentors. That's what great Pauls do in our lives. They help us go from being mentored to being mentors. Which brings us to the third conversation for the day. Not only do we need a Barnabas to walk beside us and a Paul to help lead us, we also need, we need to leave a legacy. We need a Timothy in our lives. Timothy, perhaps more than anyone else, is the one that the Apostle Paul invested in. We are beneficiaries of the books of First and Second Timothy written by Paul to Timothy. And I, I just wanted to spend a few moments watching the way in which Paul mentors this young man so that we can learn something about how to mentor the Timothys in our lives. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, Paul says to Timothy, he says, "Uh, stop drinking water, stop drinking only water, and use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Uh, now you might, you might be alarmed by this that Paul says stop drinking only water. Uh, but remember that at the time there are a lot of parasites in the water, still some place in the world parasites in the water. The reason that wine was often consumed was because the, the process of it becoming wine helped to kill some of the parasites. But that's, I don't want you to focus on the fact that the apostle Paul told people to stop drinking water, right? I want you to focus on the fact That in order for Paul to offer this kind of advice to Timothy, Paul had to have spent enough time with Timothy to know the problems he was facing, and then he had to care enough to offer him some potential remedies. Here's the point. If we are willing, if we are willing to, if we are willing to let the Holy Spirit work through us to build a a legacy through someone else, if we are willing to be a Paul to somebody else's Timothy, One of the things we have to know is that it will require a great deal of time to get to know that person. Mentoring is not something that should be done lightly or entered into easily. Paul spent a great deal of time with Timothy. My small group right now is studying the book of Colossians. Paul and Timothy actually co-wrote that book together to the church at Colossae. They spent a great deal of time together. But it wasn't just time. Paul also invested in Timothy by by caring for him in a way that he, he infused him. He, he, he inspired him, literally inspired him. Uh, what I mean by that isn't he gave him a pep talk. I mean, he breathed into him. Great mentors, great mentors breathe into us their skills and their passions. That's what they do. Last week I, I was gone because I, uh, for the last year and a half, have been serving with a, an organ, a, a group called Next Level Innovations. And what this group does is they go in and they... They find a church that's on the verge of, of taking off, making a huge difference in the kingdom. And uh, 
I had a chance to to go in and, and be work with this church and and we, we were with them in worship and I preached with them and last week and we we offered them four innovations that their church needs to to consider undertaking and if they agree to undertake these innovations I'll I'll continue to work with them as a mentor and I can tell you this that it's a it's a nerve wracking prospect to 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 recognize oneself as as a Paul to somebody else's Timothy but here's the other thing. It is tremendous. It is a tremendous moment. It is a tremendous honor. It is a tremendous way to spend our lives to invest in the next generation of those who are going to change this world. We all need a Barnabas to walk beside us. We all need a Paul to help lead us. And we all need a Timothy to invest in and help us leave the legacy Christ is calling us to lead. Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Who's your Barnabas? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? All right. I'm going to finish with that part of the sermon. I've got two minutes left in the sermon. Okay? And here's where I want to end it. Instead of just thinking about the legacy that we leave individually, I want to think about for just a moment the legacy that we leave here at Ebenezer Church. You know, I was looking at some numbers this past week. Numbers aren't everything. They don't tell the full story. But I just wanted to share a few numbers with you. In the course of the last year... Ebenezer Church uh, has helped dozens of people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior for the very first time. Can I get an amen from the church? In the course of that same last year, we have helped dozens more people recommit their lives to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen again? How about this one? In the course of the last year, we averaged over 500 people every week participating in discipleship small group Bible studies through the ministries offered here at Ebenezer Church. Amen, right? 500 people a week. That's, that's, I love worship and worship's incredibly important, but the truth is that deep, deep growth takes place in the midst of those small covenant discipleship groups. I love the fact that we've got so many people. Thousands of dollars every single week is given out by this church to the community and to our neighborhood partners to make a difference in this world every single week. You've heard me talk recently about the way the Ebenezer Church is doubling down on the ministry that we're participating in in our schools. You've heard me talk a couple of weeks ago about the way that we are going to one of the poorest places on the planet and we're not just trying to address the symptoms of poverty, we're trying to address the root cause of poverty. Next month, I'm going to tell you about an initiative called Stafford Hope that Ebenezer is launching designed to help radiate hope from this place and this people into our community. Here's my point. A couple of weeks ago, I invited you to take a look at a commitment card and to think about how you are going to sacrificially support the ministries of this church like my family supports the the mission of this church sacrificially. And I want to invite you today to to consider that that commitment card. In just a moment, we're going to invite folks to bring those forward. We asked folks to bring them back this week. There are extras in the pews if you forgot to bring it with you. That's okay. But... We here at Ebenezer Church unabashedly practice the biblical standard of tithing. The biblical standard of tithing is the idea that we give the first 10%, the first fruits of all that God gives to us, we give back to the ministries of God's church. And we do this for three reasons. First, we do it because in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus Christ commands us to tithe. I need you to prepare to say amen. No other service has gotten this one right yet, okay? But... We can't call Jesus Lord if we don't do what he commands us to do. Amen? That was better. It was better than the other services. But I gave you a heads up that it was coming, right? 
That one of the reasons we tithe is because Jesus, our Lord, commands us to. Another reason we tithe is because we know that every breath, every moment, every dime, everything we have is a gift from God. And when we tithe, we are honoring God with that. But there's a third reason we tithe. And the third reason we tithe is because we believe in the legacy that is being built to glorify the name of Jesus Christ through a people called Ebenezer Church. I believe in that legacy. I believe in the work that is being done here. And I want to thank you for your history of supporting that. And I want to thank you and the living God for the work that is going to be done as together we build a legacy to glorify the name of Jesus Christ into the future. So, who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Who's your Barnabas? What kind of legacy are you going to leave? And together... Together, what kind of legacy is Ebenezer Church going to leave behind as well? Would you pray with me? Holy, loving, and gracious God, we give you thanks for these people, for the folks who are gathered around us, for the waters of baptism, for the, the moments of your word proclaimed. We give you thanks, O oh God, in our personal lives for those who have served as a Paul for us, those who have been the ones to help mentor us and lead us and guide us. God, we give you thanks for those who have been our Barnabas, who have walked beside us when the the valley was low or when the mountain was beautiful and high. We give you thanks for the Timothys that we've had a chance to invest in and for those that we will go forth from this place to invest in. We thank you for those many blessings, oh God. But we also thank you for the chance that together we get to do some great things in your name. And we ask that your Holy Spirit will be at work in and through a people called Ebenezer, that we might continue to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ, now and forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. All right, so one final description just to make sure everybody's on the same page. If you didn't bring a commitment card, and if you're part of Ebenezer Church, you didn't bring a commitment card with you, there are some in your pews. We're going to invite folks to stand in just a moment, and as the band leads us in kind of a closing song, I want to invite your family as an act of worship together to bring forward that commitment card as we dream together about the work that God is going to do through this place and these people called Ebenezer.